41. Wednesday, January 15th, 2020. We've been invited to our neighbors for La Galette des Rois, an epiphany celebration and a January tradition in France surrounding a cake made of puff pastry and frangipan. The cakes, bought in bakeries, are accompanied by a little paper crown, and inside each cake there is a fève, a small porcelain figurine. If your piece of cake has the fève inside, you're crowned the king. The youngest person in the room crawls under the table while the cake is cut, and then from beneath the table, he or she assigns which piece of cake will go to which person in the room. Our neighbor Elise, 77, has the galette heating in the oven when we arrive around 4.30, and it smells delicious. We moved into the building almost five years ago, right around the same time as Elise. She lives alone in an apartment just below ours, and she's really indulgent about all the noise our little boy makes as he runs and plays and zooms trucks and trains along our hardwood floors. We do our very best to keep the noise down, but it's inevitable. (laughs) Children are noisy, and she takes it all in stride. She's got a grandson also named Elliot, and when we first asked her if the noise was tolerable, she said, It makes me happy to hear him playing. I hope that the old woman listening to my grandson play will be kind to him. That was the start of it. She listened to our son play with the ears of a grandmother, rather than with the ears of an older woman who wanted to live alone in peace and quiet. We've grown attached to each other over the last few years. So here we are, the second Sunday in January, a little late with our galette, but happy to be together nonetheless. My husband has brought some tea, but Elise pulls out a bottle of pink champagne and says, let's celebrate the new year, eh? I'm ready to leave the old one behind. Yes, let's look ahead. We're all in agreement. 2019 was hard for Elise. She gave everyone a scare this summer when she had a sort of stroke in August. She's a lively and independent woman who seems much younger than her years. She's always off on adventures, going to theater class, movement class, tai chi, traveling with friends, entertaining gentlemen friends, visiting her grandkids. But she took a hit and came back feeling very fragile after a 10-day hospital stay. She needed to get out for fresh air, but wasn't feeling very steady on her feet, so my husband took her out and walked arm-in-arm with her. He was so sweet about it. He somehow made it seem like he was just a kindly gentleman caller offering to take her on a stroll, rather than a man 15 15 years younger than her own children who was helping an elderly neighbor. That was last summer. So we all knew why she felt like looking forward and was eager to leave 2019 behind. The funny thing is, instead of looking forward, we got to talking about the past. It started because I was talking about my trip home to Minnesota for the holidays and going to my mom's house and my dad's house, both of whom have remarried. She told us about how when she divorced at 53, she decided to look up her first love from when she was 17. All of this was about 25 years ago now, well before the age of the internet, so I have no idea how she went about tracking him down. A phone book, I suppose. The advent of social media has created a lot of lingering friendships with former loves, classmates, distant relatives. Connections that would have naturally died down before now exist in a sort of twilight where we're vaguely aware of each other's lives and milestones. But in the mid-90s, when she tracked down her first love 35 years after the fact, via a phone call or a letter, 
I have to think it was a much more audacious and unexpected move. There was something unfinished, she said. Haven't we all known that feeling? A love story that left a question mark? A feeling of what if? A wondering? I'm not sure why it was just a surprise to hear her say it. I suppose I must think that we outgrow these things. The idea that in 15 years, well into my 50s, I might still feel like I have unfinished love stories from my youth fills me with both delight and dread. <laughs> so she looked them up and they saw each other. She found that ultimately they'd taken two different paths and their lives and selves had evolved in different directions and she put her story to rest. But that first love changed the shape of her entire life. She told us how she didn't get married until age 25, which was late for the era, and she said it was a very cerebral marriage. She briefly mentioned a young Algerian man with green eyes. Qu'est-ce qu'il était beau? He was so gorgeous. She sighed like a schoolgirl before adding, but I never could have brought him home. In the end, she confided, she'd purposely chosen a husband who was safe and unexciting. Je voulais quelqu'un qui ne faisait pas trop vibrer. I wanted someone who wouldn't make me vibrate too much. They had two children, and with time she realized, this is going to get hard, and I need to get ready. I need to be strong. She started psychoanalysis and took a hard look at herself. She realized she and her husband had done the same thing. They'd chosen a spouse that would please their mothers. They raised their kids together, and at 53, they parted ways. I don't know her ex-husband, but... She's clearly a woman who has done well on her own. I imagine the small-town girl, crazy in love at 17, and the young woman who waited until 25 to marry someone safe. This vibrant woman who chose a husband who wouldn't make her vibrate too much. Could she have imagined that 60 years later, she'd be telling this story on a January afternoon over a galette and champagne? And it made me wonder, what stories will I tell? Thank you.